mostly sat. Why don't you stand with me one more time? Amen. Can we just pray together? Lord, I thank you for how great you are. I thank you for how awesome you are, Jesus. There is no one like you, God. You reign over all of the earth. You are in control, Lord Jesus. All that we see and we know, God, it comes from you and we're thankful for it. God, I'm thankful to you. I give you praise. I give you glory and worship today. Hallelujah. Amen. You can be seated. Earlier, Brother Hart mentioned, he said he doesn't know if I'm going to talk about the resurrection today or not. And uh, I might. There will likely be some things mentioned along those lines. But I'm going to talk about a topic today that you might not have seen coming, being the day that this is today. But I believe... If, if we receive from the Lord what I feel like he would share with us today, I believe it would change us. It would change our mind, change our outlook, our perspective on life and our understanding of the Lord. Look at the person next to you and say, death. Say it again, death. Don't be afraid of that word. That's not a scary word. It's in the Bible many, many times. I'm going to talk a little bit about this today. And uh, with the help of the Lord, let him help us understand what it means. Matthew chapter 27, verse 50 is where I'm going to start reading. I was reading uh, and just reflecting on this holiday, if you want to call it that, uh, and just reading about the, the death of Jesus, the crucifixion and these things, and I saw something in here that, I'll, I'll be honest with you, has never registered with me before. I know I've, I would have had to have seen or heard or read this at some point in my life, but I never really, it never really registered with me, and it just got me uh, thinking and listening to the Lord about this. So this is, we're reading here, while Jesus is on the cross, it says, Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost, and behold, now these are a list of things that happen, events that take place right after the death of Jesus on the cross. And behold... The veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. Now, you know, most of you know about the temple, the tabernacle, and it had a room that was the holiest place, and it had this thing called a veil. And only the priest could go in there, and he didn't do this all the time. It was a special occasion. But it symbolized man getting into the presence of God. So when Jesus died, that... that veil was ripped and that symbolized the presence of God no longer confined to one holy space but now it's it's let out so the veil was ripped and the earth did quake 
and the rocks ripped. I mean, the, rent is the same word, ripped. What happened to the veil happened to the rocks. And the earth did shake. Now look at verse 52. And, everybody say and. And the graves were opened. Everybody say the graves. That's where we put dead bodies. It wasn't any different back then than it is now. It's the graves. They, they buried people a little differently back then than we do now. But you understand when it says graves were opened, it means places where dead bodies were opened up. The graves were opened. And many bodies of the saints which slept arose. There's a key word there that means saints. Okay, this is not just anybody. It's the saints. Everybody say the saints. Many bodies of the saints. And it doesn't say all. Okay, I'm, I, I, I'm not adding to or taking away from what the scripture says. But this is right here in your Bible like it is mine. Matthew chapter 27 verse 52. The graves were right after the death of Jesus. The graves were opened and many bodies of the saints which slept arose. Next verse. The bodies of the saints arose and came out of the graves after his resurrection. All right. I want you to see that and I want you to. Uh, it, what, <laughs> this is not a zombie story. Okay. This is not like the, you know, dead people half alive and, you know, no, that's, first of all, it puts order to it. It says, after his resurrection. Now, the rest of chapter 27 really jumps back to him coming off the cross, being his body being buried. So it slips in a little phrase right there. We know that his resurrection is still going to happen in the course of this chapter, and it hadn't happened yet. But the Holy Ghost inspired Matthew here to write and record so that we can see and remember that when Jesus died on the cross and was buried and rose, he wasn't the only one. He brought people with him. More than just him. Saints got up, it says, and they went into the holy city and appeared unto many. What is happening? I remember you died. I remember we buried you. Ah. Oh, oh, oh. oh. But the, <laughs> the resurrection power of Jesus shook more than just his grave, opened up graves, and saints started to wake up. Woo! What happened? What happened? And they go, now by this point, Jesus, you know, after he arose, he went and showed himself to his followers and, and, and here and there, you know, appeared here and there. But these folks just came back to life. 
And they kept living. They were given life back. That's how it happened. Psalms, chapter 68, verse 20. When I read that, I'll be honest with you, that's the part that I feel like doesn't make it into a lot of Easter plays, which is fine. We put the, we put the emphasis where it should be. But just know, when he died and rose, he changed things. I want to talk, like I said, just a little bit about this idea of death. Because, especially if you don't know the Lord, and you don't know His Word, and you don't know His Spirit, then death is a uh, fearful thing, or it can be. It, it's a dreadful thing. It's, a, it's something that we honestly try to live to avoid, because we're afraid of it. Many people are. And since we don't have a real true understanding of death, what it is, and who controls it, all kinds of strange ideas and thoughts and, dare I say, celebrations and stories and stuff gets put out there trying to just explain what I think might happen or what society thinks might happen. or It's a lack of understanding okay, that causes us to just assume what happens with death, in death, before death, after death, during death. We don't really know these things until we look in the Scripture. But when I read that about in Matthew about... Jesus resurrecting and bringing saints back to life. I, I just thought, okay, I don't understand all this stuff. I didn't even know he could do that, that he did do that, that he would do that, that he would want to do that. You understand everything the Lord does, he does with a purpose. So he brought those people back to life for a purpose. In this book of Psalm 68, David is writing, and sometimes David just gets on his his feel-good tangents talking about how great and awesome God is. And that's a little bit of what's happening here in chapter 68. And he records one thing here. He that is our God is the God of salvation. And unto God, the Lord, belong the issues from death. Everything about death belongs to God. Hear me for just a moment. There's no such thing as a grim reaper. Even, I, I promise you, you look in Exodus and the story of the Passover, the death angel was not sent by the devil. It was not controlled by some evil spirit. That was God. He said, I'm going to do it, and he did it. I, I, I don't know where. I, I, I'm not, I don't care to know, but I don't know where this idea of a grim reaper started, who gets to just go around telling people when their time is up. We know we don't believe that, but it's, it's everywhere from children's cartoons to adult movies. 
It's everywhere. Just this thought, some ghost, some spirit gets to go and tap on somebody's shoulder and you're coming with me. That's not how it works. I know that. But God, it says, unto God the Lord belong the issues from death. He's in control. I, I, how could a Bible-believing Christian say God's in charge of everything except death? He's in charge of everything up until the point somebody dies. Then it's out of his control. Then it's beyond him. No, sir, it is not. He, even all the issues related to death, they come from God. This is a little side note, but going back to the story of Jesus for a moment. You remember John the Baptist was his forerunner? And he, he was truly, fully convinced that Jesus was the Lamb of God. John did his part, and then he got put in jail. And he, he says, Does, I, need my, I need some of my disciples to go find Jesus and make sure I got him right. Jesus sends word back through his disciples, and he says, go tell John. And he lists some things, miracles that are happening, happening. Deaf people are hearing, blind people are seeing. And make sure you tell him the dead are being raised up. Hallelujah. Why? Well, I don't know. I guess some miracles can be explained in, in some fashion. You know, like maybe that hearing was just an ear infection or something, and now it's back. Or what? It, maybe the blinded eyes were from a job-related injury, and after a few months there. But you tell him that dead people are coming back to life. Nobody can do that but me. I control life and death. So when the disciples go back, oh yeah, by the way, he told us to tell you this is happening, this is happening, dead people are being raised. And John's like, wait, what? Who's what's happening? Yeah, the blind people. No, the next part. Yeah, the deaf people. No, the next part. What would you say? The dead are being raised. I got the right one. That answers my question. Nobody but he could do that. To the Lord belong the issues about death. Death was not God's original plan. You don't have to turn there right now, but let me remind you, Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death. Paul wrote that through his learning and understanding from the Lord. When people sin, the payment for that is death. People were not created sinful. So death was not just this, you know, plan B no, God created Adam and Eve, and he did not create them with the intention of killing them. Genesis chapter 2, verse 16. The Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not 
eat of it. For in the day that you eat thereof, thou shalt surely die. The Lord God made the earth. He made men and women. He put the fruit there. And he said, if. Somebody say if. If you eat this, you will die. I'm not, a, I'm not the smartest person in the world. But I understand if has two sides to it. If you do and if you don't. So when he says if you do, you're going to die. He didn't even have to say it if you don't. Because you, you haven't. You're not. This is what it's like when you're not. You're alive. The day you eat thereof, you shall surely live. I mentioned this a while back. With my understanding of what I see in the Scripture, it's not, it, it, we get, maybe get this idea incorrectly that it's an instant death. Poison apple. Oh. No, that, it's not, we know that's not how it happened. But death became a thing because of the sin. The scripture is the scripture. It's 100% true. And when it says the wages of sin is death, death is a thing because of sin. Genesis 3.19, skip over. They ate, they sinned. Somebody say they did it. 3.19, now the Lord's talking to him and he says in the to Adam, in the sweat of thy face, Shalt thou eat bread till thou return unto the ground? You understand this is part of the curse. The curse includes now you're going back to the earth. For out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. Now, I don't want you sitting there wondering any more than I am. Does that mean God really wanted us, wanted Adam and Eve to live forever and be the only humans? I'm not saying that. But I am saying Adam and Eve brought this thing on themselves. This thing called returning to the dust. Verse 22, and the Lord said, Behold, the man is become as one of us to know good and evil. And now, lest he put forth his hand... And take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. We have to remove him from this place. He's become as us. He knows good and evil. And he still had the option until the Lord took it away to go eat of that tree and live forever. Verse, you don't have to turn there, but Genesis 5 and 5 says, all the days that Adam lived were 930 years and he died. Now death is in the picture. Everyone, with just a few exceptions, since Adam died 
or will die. That's not some prophecy. Okay? I'm not trying to be sensitive to the Holy Ghost when I say that. It's, it's a fact. Since Adam, Adam and Eve and their sons and their daughters and all along, they're not still here today. They died. Enoch is one that says he didn't die. He walked with God and God took him. God translated him. He was not. He walked with God and then he was not because God took him. So he didn't die the death, but he went the way. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 45. Now, talking of death, I know, because the Bible tells me, that death is not the end. It's not the end all be all. It's not the last stop. I know that because the Bible tells me. This, this chapter, I would encourage you to spend some time when you can in this chapter. You can either call it the death chapter or the life chapter, either one. It's both. So it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. And the last Adam was made a quickening spirit. The first man is literally Adam, the, the man. But when God made him, it says he was made a living soul. Not just a lump of clay. Not just dust from the ground. No, the, the, the dust, the clay, was the house for the living soul. And it, when the Lord says, I made him in my image, in my likeness, <clears throat> like me, he's got an attribute that I have, which is called a soul, a spirit, and I'm putting, on, putting that in the body. And that's eternal. The spirit, the soul, that's eternal. The body, temporary. From the dust you came and to the dust you go back. Speaking of your body. But I made you and I created you a living soul. And I don't need no dust to house my souls. I'll do with them what I do with them. Just like I do with the bodies. Just like I do with the spirit. The Lord created the first Adam, a living soul. He created the second Adam, that's Jesus, the man. In God incarnate, created him a quickening spirit. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. <clears throat> Jump down to verse 50. I said death is not the end. Look at this verse. I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. He mentions this idea of the kingdom of God. That's eternal life with the Lord. The kingdom of God. It does span into our time as we know it here on earth. But it's, it's beyond that. His kingdom is made for eternity. And it's going to have eternal 
souls in it. Paul is saying, as long as you're in this flesh and blood, you cannot inherit an eternal kingdom. You can't have a part of it while you're still living here on the earth and then go all the way into it. Neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. Sleep there means dead. Just like we read in Matthew 23, it says all this, the bodies of the saints that were asleep. doesn't mean sleeping in church. It means they were dead and buried. And Paul says, we're not all going to be dead and buried. Some are, some aren't. But we shall all be changed. Death brings the change. Death starts something. It's not the end. It starts something that you cannot get into otherwise. Except the Lord translates you. We shall all be changed. Verse 52. In a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the, trump, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. The dead aren't just staying dead. They get raised. They get changed. They go from corruptible. What's corruptible? Something that can break away, rot away, just be destroyed. They go from that to incorruptible. Can't be destroyed. Can't break away. Can't rot. They change in that moment. Amen. And we shall be changed. Every person that has lived up to that point when Paul wrote this, and those that were alive at the time Paul wrote this, including Paul, that have since died, and every new person, that's everybody, shall be changed. Hmm. This is what separates me from a cat. I mean, there's a few other things too. But I'm not a cat or a dog because my cat and my dog, they're not going to be changed. The fish is not going to become as an angel. The fish is not going to change from its current state to an incorruptible. But I am, and you are. Verse 54. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall... Be brought to pass the saying which is written. Death is swallowed up in victory. I told you I'm talking about death. Let me just tell you how weak death is. I told you. This, this, this changes me. This changes my outlook on life. On death. I, I, I will die if the Lord chooses and He doesn't come back before then. My body is going to go back into the ground the, from where it came. 
But that death is swallowed up in victory. That's a moment. That's a moment that starts a change. Verse 55. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Verse 56, the sting of death is sin. And the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. In case you're wondering where the victory comes from. Death is swallowed up in victory. Thanks be to God which giveth the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. John chapter 5, verse 21. I'm not going to take too much longer. I just, I, I, there, it's impossible to say everything that the scripture says about this subject. But I wanted you to see a little bit about it today. We had these uh, parent-teacher conferences a few weeks ago. And uh, my first grader, son, the teacher said, he's doing great in math, showed us some of his papers. It says he, he especially caught on real quick to the greater than, less than, and equal to. You remember that? You remember when we learned those little symbols, they looked like, you know, that or that, turned one way or the other, or equal to? Jesus is greater than death. Jesus is greater than. He's not less than and he's not equal to. He's greater than death. Death is just... Death would not have even been a thing if Adam and Eve didn't do what they did. It wouldn't have been a thing. My son asked me the other day, can an angel kill another angel? Can a, can a good angel kill a bad one or a bad one kill a good one? And I, I'm sitting there thinking, I don't know. I'm stumped about that, that question. That's a, that's a great question. He's been reading and listening to some books and things that causing him to, to think a little more and stretch his mind. And when he asked that, I thought, well... I don't know if they can literally... The thing is, they don't have a life the way that me and you have a life. So it's not like they can go up and, you know, commit murder to each other because they're already in that realm, in an eternal realm. I, I suppose the Lord, He can do anything at all He wants, and if He wants His Spirit to just cease and exist, cease to exist. He can do that. I don't think that he would give authority to an evil spirit to cause a good evil, good spirit to just cease to exist. That way. But he can do anything. And he does it with a purpose, like I said. But death is not something I'm worried about. It's not something I, I'm trying to skirt past or stay away from. This is what Jesus says about it when he was a man on the earth. For as the Father raiseth up the dead and quickeneth them. You see two elements there, right? One is just 
like literally lifting up the dead body. And then the other one is quickening, putting life back into it. As the Father raiseth up the dead and quickeneth them, even so the Son quickeneth whom he will. Verse 24, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on, and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation. He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me. You get this thing called everlasting life. Where's death when we're talking about everlasting life? It's everlasting life is greater than death. But is passed from death unto life. The person that believes me, the person that follows me, hears my word. He's passed from death unto life. You got to get through to life. One of the things you got to get through is death. Verse 25. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming. Watch this. The hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God. First of all, I didn't know dead people could hear. That's a joke. They can hear the voice of the Son of God. Why? Because there's also an eternal soul there. And that soul doesn't need ears to hear the voice of its creator speaks and it listens it hears the dead shall hear the voice of the son of god and they that hear shall live okay we're passing from death to life and he's explaining it they're going to hear the voice and they're going to live verse 28 marvel not at this for the hour is coming in the which all that are in the graves shall hear his voice. In case you didn't catch it, when I said the dead people, I'm talking about the ones that are in the graves. They will all hear his voice. And shall come forth. When they hear the voice. Stay with me. The Lord's not done. I'm going to speak. Those that are in the graves are going to hear the voice. And they're going to come forth. They that have done good. Oh. I thought this was like for everybody. They that have done good. Unto the resurrection of life, unto means shall come forth unto. Unto the resurrection of life. And they that have done evil, unto the resurrection of damnation. (laughs) Yes, Brother Hart, you're right. I am going to talk about resurrection today. There's two sides of resurrection. You either get resurrected unto life, 
or you get resurrected unto damnation. I'm not making this up. That's what the Bible says. Jesus is sitting there telling people, dead people are going to come back to life. But the life they come back to is dependent on the life they lived when they had it before they died. Mm. Revelation 1, 17. This is my last passage. John is writing the book of Revelation and he starts by saying, he starts by describing the visions that started the revelation, including seeing the Lord. Now you got to understand, when John, it says he was, he was in the spirit on the Lord's day in the island where he was exiled to. His flesh and bones were on that island. But it says he was in the spirit, meaning the Lord took me out of the flesh and bones and did something spirit. Just like what Paul said, flesh and bone don't inherit the kingdom of God. The, the revelation is John's coming, the Lord's coming to John and saying, let me take your spirit over here for a minute. I want to show some things to your spirit. And he starts with, my spirit turned and heard the voice and turned and saw the man. Not my eyes. My spirit had this revelation, including who it was that spoke. He said, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, and he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, fear not, Fear not, I am the first and the last. Verse 18. I am he that liveth and was dead. Let there be no question about who was speaking to John. The one that liveth and was dead. And, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. John, I got a lot of things I'm going to show you. I got a lot of things I need you to see and write down for other people to learn. But the first thing you need to know is who I am and what I've got. Where I've been. What I've done. I was dead, John. I lived and I died. And now I'm alive again. By the way, I have the keys. That means I control. 
I determine hell and death. Mm. Somebody's not going to get into hell without me in control. Somebody's not going to die without me in control. You don't have to turn there, but I just quickly want to mention this idea. Because what we know, what we see as death here in this earth, in our lives, is not what the scripture sees as the end of life. It mentions this thing called the second death. It's all, second death is only found in Revelation after what we're reading right here. The idea of it. Revelation 2 and 11 says, He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. Revelation 20 verse 14. Death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Wait a second. I thought hell was the lake of fire. Good. Maybe I'll make you go study your Bible. Why don't you stand with me? I'm, I'm reminding you again, Psalm 68. All the issues about death, regarding death, anything that has to do with it, God controls it. It comes from Him. When I, this is, this is going to sound random to you, I know. When I was in about sixth grade, I uh, joined the band in school, got a saxophone. And there was one song that I could play all right. So I played it over and over again because I thought it sounded good. And it was called, When the Saints Go Marching In. Many of you have heard that song, I'm sure. I want to be in that number when the saints go marching in. The scripture mentions this term as we're talking about death. It talks about the dead in Christ. The Lord, I felt like the Lord showed me this a long time ago. You've probably heard me say it. The dead in Christ shall rise But the only way you can be dead in Christ is if you are living in Christ at the time you die. You're not going to get down into the ground and then have a 
spiritual revival and get to repent and go to the altar. Jesus said it, the dead will hear my voice and they will come back to life and the resurrection that they get is determined by the life that they had. The dead in Christ, they get to come to life and experience this thing called eternal, eternal life. The others will experience eternal damnation. I'll be honest with you. Talking about death. I'm talking about death in the church to other people that know the Lord and know the Bible. I think to us that have a, at least a pretty good understanding of these things, the reason why we would fear death is because we know that is after the last opportunity that I had to get right with the Lord. I can't say it is your last opportunity. You're dead. So when death happens, that's the cutoff. So we can... The only... <laughs> The only reason I'm afraid of death is because I'm afraid I'm going to go to the wrong place when I die. Why live like that, my friend? That's not a way to live. That is not the life that the Lord would have us live. If I told you that today you could answer that question and put that fear to rest and live from now on unafraid. I had this... I'm trying to hurry, I promise you. I'm not trying to take longer than I need. They say that older teenage boys and young adult males are not afraid they have this thing called an invincibility complex you ever heard of that they, it's like in, in our brains we just think it doesn't i can do whatever i yeah i i might live if i jump jump off the space needle i might if i land right tuck and roll i can drive 150 down the highway Swerve and miss things. I'll probably get away with it. That's, it sounds ridiculous, right? But I've been there, and I know the way that a mind works when it's got that sort of invincibility complex. Thank the Lord, I try to be more careful now. But if we are made in the image of God and formed in his likeness there's there, there's not like some special exception that says unless you're a male ages 18 to 22 no then you're like the devil no there are some attributes of the lord 
that I, w- I should hold on to and put into my life and say, I've got his blood covering my sins. I've got his spirit living inside me. I've got his name applied to me. I'm not afraid. I can do. I can go. I can live. Not, oh, I hope the devil doesn't get me today. I hope myself doesn't get me today. Lord, we want to know you, Father. We want to live, God, the life that you have ordained for us. This altar's open. I'm asking you if you would to find a place to pray. Speak to the Lord and let him talk to you. Jesus, I thank you for giving us the overcoming power. Thank you for giving us resurrection power. Thank you, God, for taking away the victory of death, for taking away the sting of death, Lord. It's not something I've got to live trying to avoid. It's something I know I've overcome because you've made us an overcomer. You have made us an overcomer. Come on, speak to the Lord. His Spirit is here right now. His Spirit is here right now. for just a moment I'm going to interrupt you everybody for just a moment I want everybody to hear what I'm going to say 
I want everybody to hear this. Jesus looked at his disciple, Peter, and he said, Peter, Satan desires to have you. Hear me. I, I feel this in the Holy Ghost. I felt this since earlier in the service. The Lord did not say, Satan, uh, Peter, Satan wants to kill you. Uh uh. He said, the devil desires to have you to sift you as wheat. Why didn't he just say, Peter, the devil wants you dead? We know that. That's a given. If he could, he would. The Bible says it. He came to steal, kill, and destroy. So he's going to try to do that. But he knows he cannot just take your life. Death is not under his control. So the Lord tells his disciple... Don't be worried about him trying to kill you. He can't do that. But I'll tell you what he does want to do with you. He wants to get your life and mess it all up. Sift you as wheat. Shake you around to where everything is messed up. I prayed for you, Peter, that your faith doesn't fail. That when the devil is shaking up your life and messing things up, that you still keep enough faith to know that was just another attack of the devil. That was just him trying again to steal or kill or destroy, but he can't do it. There are people in this room, more than one, that it is evident the, the devil would have tried, would have killed you if he could. But even the Lord is saying to you today, death is not the thing you need to worry about. That's under me. That's under my control. I got you here. I'll keep you here. The things you need to worry about is what else the work of the enemy would do in your life. Mess you up. Shake you up. Get things all out of order, out of alignment. Because he can influence enough stuff to get things messed up. And he will and he has. Yet none of us should be here. Not a single one of us is righteous enough to say, well... I belong in the house of the Lord because I am holy. I've never done a thing wrong. That's a lie. That's not us. The scripture says there is none righteous. No, not one. They have all gone out of the way. They have all become altogether unprofitable. So don't look at yourself and say, well, at least, I, at least I skirted by all the tricks of the enemy. No, no, no. What you do is you thank the Lord for another day of living. 
Thank the Lord for another opportunity to get right before Him. Thank the Lord for this day that He has made. Rejoice and be glad in it. Come on, why don't you talk to the Lord right now? Why don't you talk to the Lord? Express what's in your heart to Him. God, I thank you. God, I thank you.
Praise God. We're going to get ready for our baptism now. And uh, you feel free to keep praying or to fellowship with someone as we get ready for this. Amen.